Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello my loves, welcome back to another episode of Unfollowing Mum. Today you just have me, it's a solo episode and it feels like it's been an absolute age since I've done a solo episode but it felt like this was a great topic that I wanted to talk on and one that would be a good solo episode so here I am. Now one of the reasons that I haven't been recording as much and doing solo episodes is because I have been super busy and finishing my qualification as an empowerment coach. And you might be like me thinking, what the hell is an empowerment coach? And I get you, I hear you. I was exactly the same when I first started looking into coaching. I'm also going to be training as a therapist from October. So I'm super, super excited to be doing that. Therapy and coaching are different. So for me at the moment as a qualified empowerment coach, I can work with people on a one-to-one basis from kind of a peer support. So this podcast is still going to remain. It's still going to be exactly the same. But what What I'll be able to do on a slightly deeper level, if you would like a one-to-one session with me, is to work with you to discuss your experiences, validate them, hear you, challenge those self-limiting beliefs, challenge that people-pleasing, and work to a place where you can move forwards in your life. Which is why I chose empowerment coaching specifically, because I think there is something very disempowering about growing up with a toxic parent or in a dysfunctional family dynamic it leaves you feeling like you are broken or damaged or abnormal in some way and none of those things are true. So for me, empowerment is about challenging those self-limiting beliefs, 
challenging those people-pleasing things that we have been taught because we are conditioned to believe that we have to put others before us, especially as women, but especially as people who have grown up in a difficult family dynamic whereby the parent is the priority and you never are. So I am super excited to be able to work with people one-to-one and that is what I'm going to be doing from now onwards. You can get in touch with me across any of the social media channels that I run or you can email me. All of these links are in the bio. It is such an honour to be able to work with people and to be able to create this podcast. I never anticipated that this was the direction that my life would take, but I find so much joy in being able to help people feel seen and validated and to speak to people daily about their experiences and just say, you know, you are not alone. This is a lived experience that we share or perhaps not one that we necessarily share because I've spoken to so many people on this podcast who have experiences that I haven't necessarily had. But that feeling of being unworthy, that feeling of being so let down and of grieving a parent that you wish you had, it's all the same feeling and it needs validating, it needs acknowledging and I'm really honoured to be able to do that both on the podcast and now with clients. So now I've given you a little bit about where I'm at and what's going to be happening with my life, I thought we would jump into the nitty gritty of the episode. Now today I want to talk to you about the concept of being consumed by trauma. I am sure that quite a few of you will have either been told by a toxic parent, oh, you just can't let it go, you keep going on about it, just move on, or perhaps you've been told by a family friend you need to move on, or even a friend who's saying, you know, you keep going on about this, you need to get on with it and move on, and people who are well-intentioned, but you still will have heard it said to you. I get it said to me all the time on social media, especially by estranged parents who don't like the kind of content I'm creating because it challenges the narrative that they have told themselves that they are a victim, that they are not to blame for their experiences. And even if we remove the term blame and look at responsibility or accountability, there very rarely is any. So I get told quite often, oh, you you, you need to get to a place where you're no longer talking about this because you're just so consumed by this experience and I think what we need to look at when we talk about people who are consumed by their trauma is whether or not we're telling them that they're consumed by their trauma and they actually are allowing their trauma and their experiences to dictate their life in the now or whether or not we are challenged and triggered by the fact that they are challenging the status quo by discussing their experiences when we've always been taught and raised to believe that these experiences should not be discussed, these experiences should be kept in the family, these experiences are too taboo. You know, it goes back to the old respect thy elder and that kind of thing. When in reality, what we're doing when we're telling somebody that they're too consumed by their trauma or that they need to stop talking about it, get over it, move on, is we're victim shaming and we're invalidating the way that they feel and the way that they're processing those feelings. I stitched a video on TikTok by somebody who's called Mr. Blake W and you can go and look up his stuff. He was talking about being the bigger person and what that saying actually means and how it's essentially putting the responsibility onto the victim, which we always do, because you never say to somebody who is at fault, oh, come on, be the bigger person. You always say it to the person who is being treated badly, the person who's being bullied or whatever that might be. 
And he used an example of the school setting where you might have a child who's being really badly bullied and they're being picked on constantly, their peers are ignoring it, the teacher's ignoring it, but as soon as they lash back, everybody wants to have an opinion, everybody wants to get involved. And I stitched it saying that another great example of this is when you have somebody who steps outside of the parent-child role, cuts contact with a toxic parent and says, I'm not gonna tolerate that anymore. Now his point, which I actually agreed with, was that when we view somebody who is being treated poorly and we see them as a victim and we put them in that box, that then becomes the status quo. It becomes the social norm for that person to be viewed that way. Oh, well, that's just how they are treated. That's just what they accept. That's fine. When that person then challenges that, they disrupt the social hierarchy and that's when we have a problem. That's when we start to tell them, no, 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 stop that be the bigger person, just tolerate it, keep going on with it. And that serves absolutely nobody. And I feel like I've gone on a bit of a a tangent, a bit of a parallel to talking about being consumed by trauma, but I do think it's relevant to the overall conversation of being consumed by trauma, because you so often hear that you need to be quiet about these experiences, that you need to stop talking about them, you need to have more respect, blah, 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 the same things over and over again, always said to the victim and it's because it challenges that social hierarchy it's because it challenges people's perception of how we should behave and if we're not tolerating abuse does that then not shine a light onto whether or not they've tolerated or perhaps perpetuated abuse I think we feel a lot more comfortable when people sit in a space where they tolerate and just get on because it allows us to do the same. And it's really difficult to challenge these things, to challenge these experiences. God, I look back at my life before I cut ties with my mum, before I started to wake up to my treatment and the way that she was behaving and was focused exclusively on what an amazing, wonderful mother I thought that she was. And it was easier. There's no denying that when you're entirely enmeshed with someone to stay in that enmeshment or if you're the golden child to stay in that role and allow someone else to take the flack. It's easier. It's safer. So when we see other people challenging it, yes, absolutely, we're going to accuse them of being consumed by trauma and just keep going on about it. We're going to accuse them of being the problem and tell them to be the bigger person and to stop. But they're not actually consumed by trauma what they are is acknowledging their experiences, self-validating and helping others to work through those same experiences in a community setting. And that's so powerful and so valuable. How many guests have we had on this podcast now who have been qualified psychologists, counsellors, social workers, therapists, all who have said the same, that community and community healing is powerful and important and necessary. Okay, so I want to look at the other side now of self-responsibility versus self-blame. When I was qualifying as a coach, I heard so much that I felt was really dismissive of people's experiences, was dismissive and invalidating of their trauma. And that really bothered me. Please beware of the therapist, coach, anybody who tries to invalidate your experience and refuses to acknowledge them or accuses you of being self-pitying or shifting responsibility and essentially makes you feel like self-responsibility should feel like self-blame or invalidation because it shouldn't. 
to me, self-responsibility when it comes to our lived experiences with a toxic parent is in saying no more, is in saying that's it, I'm going to set this boundary and if you cross it, that's going to have a consequence. We are being responsible for what we will and will not tolerate within our lives. That's not pitying or lingering or being consumed by trauma. That's saying I'm not going to tolerate these things. Let's look at a scenario. You might well find people pleasing something that you struggle with and setting boundaries, something that you find really difficult. And that's been my experience too. I, for years, up until perhaps my early 30s, never set boundaries. I had none. I'd been raised without them. I had no concept of how to set boundaries. I felt so much guilt and shame around setting boundaries and putting myself first because I'd been conditioned to be a people pleaser. I'd been conditioned to always put my mum first. But we don't look forwards without looking back and we have to be able to understand where that came from. And now I'm in a place where I can understand where that came from. I can absolutely acknowledge, validate, grieve that experience without it being shifting responsibility or without it being a pity party and in fact the people that hurt you and that treated you badly especially when they are parents regardless of their own generational trauma regardless of their own mental health issues they are responsible for that for those choices that they made that caused you this trauma that caused you this hurt they are responsible for the trauma responses that their choices and behavior have left you with as their child, even if you are an adult now. And now in knowing what we know, acknowledging, validating those experiences, we have the self-responsibility part where we make that choice. There's the part where we come in and say, I need to make a choice to not repeat that cycle. I need to make a choice to work on myself and find a place of healing within my trauma, to know myself deeply enough so that I can see where my triggers and stresses are and I can manage them. That is the self-responsibility as an adult. And I get said to me quite often again by toxic parents who have become estranged, who are angry with the kind of content that I create or with the things that I say, who will say to me, oh, you can't blame your parents for everything, you're an adult. It's not about blaming your parents for everything. It's about saying, hang on a minute, I have had these experiences that have caused me harm, that have caused me damage, and that I am now having to work to reparent myself and repair because you chose not to. Well, you have to take some accountability for that. And I have to be now responsible for myself and protect myself from those things. And that is where we have an estrangement scenario where you have to be responsible for yourself as an adult and say no more. Now we all know that what these people would prefer you to do is to say hey I'm an adult so you know if I'm a people pleaser that's on me. If I struggle to set boundaries that's on me. If I struggle to get that job because I can't have any confidence and I have no self-worth that's on me. But actually in reality when we look back our experiences and understand why it's not on you at all that is self-blame what is now on you is how you choose to move forwards that's self-responsibility
But the part that a toxic parent hates to acknowledge is that we are not going to have that self-responsibility of moving forwards unless we address the why and we look backwards and work through those experiences. And it's very difficult to work through those lived experiences when you have a parent who refuses to be accountable and refuses to change their behaviour because if they're still treating you in those ways, if they're still refusing to acknowledge their own behaviour, be accountable for their own behaviour then that's when you're going to lead to an estrangement situation because of your self-responsibility, because you owe it to yourself to not tolerate those experiences, because you owe it to yourself, especially if you are now a parent, to not repeat those generational cycles and to find yourself 10, 15, 20 years down the line with children that you've also created these insecurities in because you've passed it on. Here's another one that you've probably heard quite a lot, and that is victim mindset. Now, victim mindset is a real thing. There is such a thing as having a victim mindset of always looking for the negative, of always putting yourself down, of treating yourself as a victim, but acknowledging your experiences and talking about them does not equate to being in a victim mindset. You quite often will hear people say, oh, she sees herself as such a victim, when actually in reality you really struggle with acknowledging that you were a victim because you were. You were a victim of your parents' perhaps emotional immaturity, their emotional distance, perhaps you were a victim of their abuse. But in acknowledging that and accepting that and saying, hey, that was my lived experience. You are no longer that person, no longer that child who can't stand up for themselves, who can't set boundaries, who has to be reliant on a caregiver who can't fulfill their needs. That's not victim mindset. That's actually really quite empowered and self-aware. And that's something that you should be giving yourself a pat on the back for. So when people tell you that you have a victim mindset because you're talking about your lived experiences, it's quite the opposite. Now, when we allow those experiences to dictate what we can and can't do now that's when we fall into the trap of actually becoming consumed by our trauma actually having a victim mindset when we say well I can't do this because my parents raised me to feel this way no you absolutely can do these things because you've already done the most difficult thing you've lived through the experience you've lived through the difficulty of having that toxic family dynamic perhaps you've got to the point where you are setting boundaries perhaps you've even got to the point where you've got no contact because you know that that's healthier for you that is something to be so proud of yourself for being able to stand up for yourself, for being strong enough to say, no more, I'm not tolerating this, or even for stepping those tiny little stepping stones and saying, that's not going to be acceptable around me, mum, I'm not going to cut contact, but I am going to say, I won't speak to you on the phone if you're going to start talking about my weight, I won't speak to you on this, if you're going to start talking badly about other people, I won't tolerate it, and putting those boundaries in place, that makes you so strong. And there is huge power in that and something to be really proud of. Okay, before I round off this episode, because it is going to be a slightly shorter one today, I want to look at self-blame and self-reproach and those feelings of guilt that we feel when we put ourselves first. Because this is not something that we have just decided that we do. You don't naturally grow up into somebody who is self-blaming and who is toxic towards yourself and has a really harsh self-critic, who has a really negative internal voice. That is something that you are taught and it's actually a type of coping mechanism because of the way that you were treated when you were a child. Automatically, your response as a child is to blame yourself because the thought 
that a caregiver could be the one to blame for perhaps their silent treatment or perhaps their behavior towards you, their anger towards you because you asked for something simple or because you did something that a child would normally do or perhaps their distance towards you because they don't know how to connect. All of those things can't possibly be their fault when you're a child because that's too painful and too difficult to think of because if your primary caregiver and I know we've said it so many times on the podcast before but it is true and it stands to be to be said again and again and again as children we learn to self-blame because the thought that our primary caregiver cannot fulfill our needs is too painful too threatening too damaging to us that we internalize those feelings and what you end up doing is becoming somebody who does self-blame when negative things happen to you at work well that must be your fault when a relationship breaks down it's because you're not good enough and absolutely none of those things are true so one of the most important things that we can learn to do as adult children who've grown up in dysfunction who've had toxic parents is to learn how to challenge that negative self-talk, that inner critic, and to work through those feelings of self-blame and say, no, I'm not responsible for this and I'm not holding on to this. Now, I believe it's been mentioned on the podcast before, that's internal family systems, which is IFS therapy. I think it was mentioned a few episodes ago with Maggie from Maggie with Perspectacles, who is a big believer in IFS and practices it with her own clients in her therapy. And I wanted to talk about using IFS, that internal family system, to look at your own negative self-thinking and to challenge or at minimum sit with those negative thoughts that you have about yourself and those self-blaming thoughts that you have about yourself. So the way in which IFS works, if you didn't listen to that episode with Maggie, which I strongly recommend doing because it was a brilliant episode that was really empowering and powerful, but if you didn't catch it, just for the purpose of chatting about this here... IFS, internal family systems, is thinking of yourself as having a core self and then compartmentalizing all the other parts of ourselves. So we have guilt and thinking of them almost as another person, another entity within us that help to make up our whole being. So we have our happiness, we have our guilt, we have our shame, we have all of these different parts of ourselves and I actually find that really helpful to separate out different parts of myself and perhaps almost like when we talk about you'll have seen it all over social media when someone's looking in the mirror and they use the wonderful world of photoshop to superimpose another version of themselves behind them saying all these nasty things well that's your inner critic and that's what it's there to represent but with IFS if we think of that inner critic as a separate part, as a totally compartmentalized part, and we actually look at what they're saying and what's being said and we seek to understand it, it can be really helpful. So when I catch myself thinking something really negative or being really negative about myself, the biggest challenge in all of this is to catch it and to sit with it. And sometimes you feel absolutely bonkers doing it. And you look and you think, this is ridiculous. What am I doing? And it's the same with things like shadow work, same with inner child work, actually talking to yourself, be it in the mirror on paper, in your head, but it helps to practice catching those negative thoughts and looking at them through a lens, through a 
almost slightly removed an investigative kind of way. You're looking at it and being like, oh, okay, this is, I'm going to put a microscope on this. And what I do is I will catch that negative thought and I will think, oh, hang on a minute. Where's that come from? Okay. And you can do it in terms of one of the things that Maggie recommended when we had the episode with her was actually saying to your guilt or saying to your shame or saying to that negative self-critic, okay, where's that come from? And actually having a conversation with it. Now, if you find that too difficult, which I completely understand because I do, I kind of catch myself and be like, oh, Harriet, okay, what made you think that? And what purpose does that serve? How is that going to help me either complete the task that I'm doing? If I'm telling myself I'm stupid, if I'm telling myself that I'm not good enough to do something, if I'm telling myself that I can't achieve something, what purpose does that serve? Okay, well, I guess it serves to protect me from being frightened or ashamed or hurt or mocked, or any of these things. So it's about protecting myself. But I can then rationalise with myself and say, okay, well, I'm cooking dinner and I've burnt it. Is making myself feel awful, is telling myself that I'm a useless cook, that I'm a terrible mum because my kids are going to have to wait extra, is making myself feel awful about such a small thing actually going to serve any purpose here? No, it's not. Okay, what about if I'm in a scenario where I'm telling myself that I'm going to put myself out there with something new. Perhaps it'd be a new promotion. Perhaps it'd be something else. And normally I would have that inner critic who, FYI, looks a lot like my mum and sounds a lot like my mum because that's where these things have been learned. But if I were to look at that inner critic and who's saying to me, you can't do that. You're not good enough to do that. You're not going to be able to achieve that. Or making fun of me for achieving it and failing, that fear of failure... Then I'm going to have to look at it and say, well, hang on a minute. How am I going to know I'm going to fail until I do it? How am I going to know whether or not I can achieve it until I try? And actually, if I do fail, I can look at that as a lesson and do better next time. And that's okay. I'm safe now. If you find it quite difficult to challenge these thoughts in the moment, then you can keep a thought record or a thought journal where you write down your negative self-talk. And if you've been through any kind of therapy process, it's really common for people to suggest this. So it's quite possible that you've already done that. But looking at the ways in which you speak to yourself, because until we challenge that self-blame and those negative thoughts, it's really difficult to move forward with things. And I know in my experience, I have really struggled with that inner critic because she is a bitch but because she's an inner critic there is absolutely nobody that can challenge her but me and that is where the self-responsibility comes in thank you so much for listening to today's episode guys i hope that that last bit was helpful and that maybe gave you some tools to challenge your inner critic keeping a thought journal was really helpful for me it feels really weird to have a conversation with yourself even if you do it in your head and i actually i do it in my head because the thought of looking at myself in the mirror and talking to myself just makes me cringe far too much but if that's what works for you or if almost writing like a conversation out on paper works for you however it works is perfectly valid and challenging those thoughts and those feelings I also think it's worth noting here as well that quite often a lot of us have had experiences with toxic parents where the thought of therapy or any of these things would be mocked my mum would certainly make fun of the idea of having a conversation with your negative self go how ridiculous and this kind of thing and belittle it and make it feel shameful and silly and invalid 
and it's none of those things and when you've been brought up with somebody who has a vendetta or an attitude around or some preconceived notions even around therapists social workers anyone who can challenge their authority or step in and say oh your behavior is not acceptable you often grow up with those attitudes yourself or at minimum you grow up feeling that there's something shameful and silly or childish or wrong in needing to speak to somebody in needing to use techniques that work to challenge your inner critic because if you have that inner critic you're easier to manipulate you're easier to keep down and that's not a space that we want to be in anymore so I hope that this has been useful thank you so much for listening and I will speak to you again next week bye selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.